Okay, today, as I said, we're opening up to First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, continuing on that journey of going through the book of, uh, or the letter of First Corinthians, rather, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And much of this chapter, I kind of was thinking, how can I sort of summarize it? Paul's talking about um, how the church grows and who is responsible for uh, the growth and the building up of the church. And Paul in this chapter, uses three parables or illustrations. We're going to look at the first two. Um, I kind of run out of space, and I didn't think you wanted to listen to me talk for an hour or so today, so I'm going to keep it to the normal length, and um, we're going to look at the first two, and we might do another one later on. But um, the first one he uses is this illustration of um, infants and, and what they eat right? And so we're going to read it in a moment, but I thought, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good like, um, at understanding what this is like with my children, having been through the infant stage and now um, getting onto solid food. I know that progression pretty well. And just the other week, Vivian actually kind of just in the space of like two weeks doubled the amount of food that she eats, you know, the, the choices that we, <laughs> that we can offer her for dinner and so on. And it was like some switch went, went on in her brain and now all of a sudden she'll eat sweet potato and broccoli and, and pasta and, you know, and she even had some steak and some lamb chop and, you know, like all this stuff that before she'd run, run away at the sight of, now it's like, no, she's maturing and this is... This is a dear thing for me to see as her, as her dad, right? Especially because lamb chops are my favorite food. And it's like, come on, you gotta, you got to enjoy that. How can you not, you know? And so Joey's still got a bit further to go, right? He's still sort of sometimes having porridge for dinner because that's just all, all he will consume, you know? And so he's progressing in other areas. Like um, he, he no longer wears a nappy during the day, right? It's only for sleep time at night. And even then some mornings he's waking up with a dry nappy and it's like, yes, a little step closer to maturity, a little step further along the path out of infancy and into eventually becoming an adult, right? And um, as the kids grow, it's good to see these things happening. And, um, you know, they start using their words more. They put together sentences. Vivian starts surprising us by calling us out on things we shouldn't be doing. Or, you know, hey, you shouldn't do that, Dad. Or you can't say that. And what do you mean? <laughs> you know, this sort of thing goes on. And so it's that progression. And the journey of parenting is seeing these constant changes, right? And, um, and every week is, uh, is another adventure. And Paul is using this idea for, for growth in the church in Corinth, in the city of Corinth. And he says, he's, he's kind of like their, their spiritual parent of this congregation. And he says, by now, you should be off the milk and you should be onto some solid food, right? He's, he's concerned they aren't showing any signs of moving on or maturing, right, in their faith. And it, it's kind of like at some point you have to stop drinking milk. And, and um, you know, those who've been through the parenting journey will know at some point the baby has to stop breastfeeding, right? And people have all different ideas about when that should happen and how it should happen. But at some point it has to stop, you know? It gets to a point where it's like, no, that should stop, okay? And I think Paul is a bit like that when it comes to the church in Corinth. He's like, guys, when will it stop? When will the immaturity and the infancy stop? You know, and he's, he's kind of bringing them a gentle rebuke. He's like, I, 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 thought, I thought things would have changed by now. 
He says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. He's talking about when he planted the church. He, he pioneered this church. Indeed, you are still not ready. So time has gone by and they're still not ready to move on. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? So I've talked about the lack of unity before in another message that I did a couple of chapters before, and um, it was a big problem for the church in Corinth. And Paul is saying, your lack of maturity, your infancy in Christ is related to this, this, these factions and divisions in the church, and it's keeping you from growing. And this is kind of like the first point for us today is disunity is something that stops the church from growing. And, and um, I would say spiritually, it stops the church from growing. It stops us from deepening. It stops us potentially even growing numerically, right? It stops us from growing when we can't find unity and we can't get focused in on, on, on the one um, who we're following, which is Jesus, right? And, and Paul keeps drawing them back. Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is, this is the only thing we're on about here. Okay, and so just as little children get along, um, you know, sometimes pretty well when they play, but most of the time not very well, right? I'm going to my parents' place this afternoon, and my brother's kids will be there, and every now and then there's this thing we have to sort out, you know? That's my doll, or this and that, and you know, and there's disunity all the time. We've got to just be there to manage it, you know? At some point, we hope it won't be that way, <laughs> Right? We've got to move on. We can't grow and mature as Christians if we're forever divided over this issue and that issue. And so the issue wasn't that they didn't understand the basics of the gospel. You know, it wasn't that they were infants in the sense that they couldn't understand intellectually. It was literally this issue of, oh, but I like Apollos and I like Paul. And, and you know, they were drawing all these divisions and I don't know if you've ever heard a rebuke from a mother saying, you're acting like a two-year-old. You know, stop acting like a baby, you know. I think Paul is trying to get to them and, just, and he's just saying, hey, it's time to stop. It's time to move on from this disunity. It's time for us to move past the divisions. And I don't want to, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I kind of feel like I had to get through this because it, it leads into the next part about growth in the church. But there's a warning for us here too, isn't there? You know, about unity in the church and unity um, in, our, in our gathering together and in our time apart. <laughs> is it characterized by the Spirit? Is, are we characterized by Jesus? Or are we characterized by the things that, you know, are kind of non-essential to faith and they kind of divide us? If we're going to grow as a church, if we're going to be a people of depth, if we're going to be understanding who God is, then continuing in in disunity is not the path to growth and maturity, right? And, you know, we could be asking, well, what, what disunity is there, you know? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not one of these guys that speaks to things that, you, you know, kind of by the by. Let's, we, and we've done this before. We did this a, a week ago, but we can think of the disunity 
you know, just at very basic levels. You know, I like to shop at Coles. You like to shop at Woolworths or Aldi or whatever. And then they, get, they go up from there. You know what I mean? Things that don't matter to things that get a little bit more serious to us. And eventually we find the church is divided along lines of politics and COVID politics and whatever other serious issues, forms of worship, you know, and, and all of this stuff, I think... Uh, has potential to, to hold us back from growth, both spiritually and numerically. It, it holds us back from depth of faith and understanding of who God is and what his truth is. And Paul's saying, it's time to stop. It's not who the church should be. It's time to move on. Paul finishes that discussion. He actually finishes this chapter. We're going to just jump ahead and he, and to verse 21. He says, so then, no more boasting about human leaders. <laughs> you, know, you can imagine him writing this just being like, all right, guys, that's enough. We're, we're, not going to, we're not going to boast about these things. All things are yours, he says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. And so he's kind of just casting the umbrella over everyone, and he's saying, hey, yep, you know, some of us prefer Paul, some of us prefer Apollos. Whatever division there is, he says these things, you know, they're down here. They're kind of under the umbrella of Jesus, and it's probably possible that we could be led by the Spirit, even convicted in our spirit in different ways over the same subject and still fall under the umbrella of Jesus, right? And so this is, this is important for growth, and it's important for maturity, and it's important for us as a church. It's important for us as individuals, right? It's important for us, for the church universal. If I was in Eastern Europe and and I walked into a church there, things are going to look different. You know, I might find some sort of Orthodox church and they have lots of images up around the place and, and the men at the front's wearing something I've never seen before in some sort of robes or, you know, however it is. All of these are ours in Christ because we're all in Christ and Christ is of God. Yeah, okay, so that's the point that Paul's getting to. And, and again, I feel like I'm harping on this, but it just keeps coming up, right? Paul's saying this is important for the church to understand, and it's important for us to grow into, to try and see above the disunity and to stay focused on Christ. And so let's move on. Dis moving on from disunity <laughs> into a parable about farming, right? Paul uses these little parables about church growth here. And, and the second one is, is a farming type of parable. He starts in verse 5. He says, What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service, and you are God's field. So 
He's reinforcing the discussion of unity. He takes himself as the church planter and pioneer of the church. And Apollos, who is like one of the key teachers and pastors in the church. Apollos is like the guy that stayed on after Paul. And he says, I'll stay here. I'll teach and disciple. I'll water the seeds of faith that were planted by you. Okay? So he says, who are we? Who's, who's Paul? Who's Apollos? Only servants. And the word servants there is the word they use for a table waiter, a lowly table waiter. Okay, he's trying to say you're going to place, he's trying to say you're trying to place emphasis on who the leader is, but the leader isn't really anything at all, right? They're just servants. Paul planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. And so when it comes to growth in the church, our job is to plant seeds and to water them, right? It's not just the job of the leaders. Some people get that specific call on their life and specific tasks they have to carry out. I'm one of them. But it's all of our task as well, planting seeds and watering the seeds. All of us are called to this in our own way. And I guess as I keep talking about this, I'm hoping that we'll be able to respond today by asking God, what's the, the seeds you want me to plant? Where's my little patch of field that I'll be working in, in my life? And this talks about that the field is the church, Right, but there's other places we can plant seeds too, okay, outside of the church. And so I want you to be thinking about that. Ask God to speak to us about, um, you know, who, who is it that I can plant seeds of faith into their life? Who do I know who, who could do with encouragement and watering in their faith? You know, how can, I, how can I best do that, God? You know, that's the prayer that we're praying today as we consider this. So, Planting seeds and watering is not glamorous. When I lived in Gander, I got to see a lot of it. I got to help um, my mate Ben. He's a watermelon farmer. And, uh, you know, often it'd be, oh, I got to go out and turn the water on. And it's like mud up to our knees and, you know, just like kind of dirty work. And, and you, you come home and you're just covered in soil and whatever else. And, um, you know, it's not glamorous work to do the planting of seeds and to do the watering, but this is the way God invites us into his work. Often, often God's work looks messy. It looks like a bit of a mess. And Paul's saying, Paul's saying, don't worry about how it looks. Just get stuck in. Give God, God's the one who makes things grow. God's the one who's going to bring about the results from the work that you do. Be faithful in the work. Trust me with the results. Interestingly enough, it says both the planter and the waterer are going to be rewarded according to their own labor, right? And I think normally we feel like we're going to get rewarded according to the harvest. How big is our bale of hay at the end of the day, you know? But that's actually not what Paul says here. He says the, the planter and the waterer are, are rewarded. I'm going to get tongue-tied. They're rewarded according to their labor, according to their showing up, clocking in, doing the work, day in, day out, and, and, and then whatever happens from that work is in God's hands. It's, it's up to him. The results are up to him. I don't think we often think about it in that way, you know? We want to see the harvest and go, phew, I'm doing something, you know, but that's not how it is. <laughs> and I don't think that's a cop-out either, you know? Some seasons we're going to see a harvest that was affected by all types of varying factors. I saw it a lot in Gainda. Someone had planted a whole, a whole um, lot of seed into a dry land uh, field, right? And you're just relying on the rain and they don't get it. 
and the, and the wheat grows to about this tall, you know, and it, you, it's just sort of wasted, <laughs> okay? Some get more or less sun, more or less rain, more or less heat, but all of these things are in the hands of God, right? The results and the harvest are in the hands of God. We're asked to plant the seeds and we're asked to water. So I've come to make a few conclusions from all of this. <laughs> I think the first one is God is ready and powerful to make the seeds that we plant and water grow, right? God is capable of bringing a harvest about when we plant seeds. So the work of planting seeds, as messy as it is, and as arduous as it is sometimes to walk through the field in the sun and put seeds in the ground, it's important. And I think God's going to use that. God's ready to make it grow. He wants to see us grow into who he created us to be. He wants to see the church go on that journey of growth. I'd say God's doing his part all the time. Okay, but we're not in control of God. We don't get to tell him when we'd like some rain. We don't get to tell him when that's been enough sun or if we'd like some more sun. We don't get to tell him what our schedule and our plan is and when we'd like to see the harvest. All we get to do is plant seeds, turn the, turn the hose on, maybe till the soil, get buckets of water. And this means a couple of things. Either we've got seeds in the ground that we've planted, right? I know a lot of us have been around the church for a long time. We've, been, we've, we've done a life of planting seeds, and a lot of us have seeds in the ground, you know? Maybe we're wondering, why aren't they growing? You know, God's not making them grow, Maybe, maybe it's just hard soil. Maybe it takes a very long time. You know, maybe it takes a long time for spiritual seeds to grow into a harvest and we're not patient enough. Maybe it means that God is ready to make seeds grow and we just aren't doing our part of planting and watering. Maybe seeds take different Amounts of time to grow, right? I'm just trying to flesh out the idea. Some seeds sprout really quickly. Others take a very long time to grow. Maybe God moves slower than any of us ever expect him to move. But God's not the one who plants seeds, right? That's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying we're the ones who are invited to plant seeds. We're the ones who are invited to water. God humbles himself and invites us into the process. And so we need to be, the, the call today is, okay, let's, let's get our work boots on, our gum boots to trawl through the mud. Let's get our bag of seeds. Let's get planting. Let's get our buckets of water and get watering. Because a field without seeds and without water, it's not producing a harvest. Right? A field without planters and without waterers will never see growth. <clears throat> so as we kind of finish up here it's good to talk about planting seeds and, and watering the seeds but some of us might be asking the question well what, is, what does that actually mean <laughs> you know is anyone thinking that what, is, what are you talking about when you say planting seeds I've got a few suggestions but I really think it's individual 
I really think it has to do with your situation, your life, your relationships, your work, you know, your role in the church, your role at home, marriage and family and children and, and uh, <clears throat> friendships and work and whatever else we're doing. I think a good place to start is devote time to prayer. You know, that's probably not the, the popular answer, but asking God, what, what is the work you want me to do? What's the, where do you want me to start planting seeds? You know, praying into our relationships. Where do I need to be watering seeds, God, that I've planted? I could tell you that all the general things that every Christian is called to do, you know, reading your Bible, asking for the Holy Spirit to prompt us to do different things. This is all part of planting seeds, being generous, you know, showing sacrificial love in our, in our families and, and friendships, in our time and, 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 and money and service to the church. I can tell you to love your neighbor. But there might, be, there might be someone, actually, here we go. Here's a good story. This week I went on my prayer retreat, and um, it relates to, talking, uh, to planting seeds. I went on my prayer retreat, and I'm sitting down, just getting sort of into my reading for the day as I do, and asking God to speak to me. And to be honest, being a slow start to the year, kind of feeling like, man, what are you, you know, are you sort of still with me, God, you know? <laughs> and anyway, I see this old lady walking her dog. I was up at Daisy Hill at the Koala Sanctuary area there. It's a great place for a prayer retreat if you're ever looking for one. And I'm sitting under this hut and this lady walks, walks near me and her dog's drinking out of a puddle of water. And um, anyway, she's talking to her dog, as a lot of dog owners do. And, um, and then she notices me and she says, oh, good day, good, good day for a day. And I'm like, yeah it's, yeah, it's a good day, good spot. I'm sort of thinking, Leave me alone. I'm trying to do prayer retreat. <laughs> and, and anyway, she, she says, oh, um, what are you doing? Are you, are you studying? Or, and I said, oh, I'm, a, I'm having a prayer retreat. I'm a pastor of a church. Oh, really? Wow, that's awesome. Um, can I talk to you for a few minutes? <laughs> I was like, okay, absolutely you can. And she come over and started talking to me. And she said, oh, I was just talking to my husband the other day about how we should get back to church. And Who'd have thought, like, and she's asking me, um, what church should I go to? And I said, I'm at a Wesley Methodist church at Mackenzie. It's called 316 Church. And she said, a Methodist church? She said, man, I was baptized a Methodist years ago. She was 63. And um, anyway, she's just saying, who'd have thought I met a Methodist minister at Daisy Hill? And this is unbelievable. And you could just see that, um, you know, she felt like God was speaking to her through our conversation. And I just... Uh, you know, it's one of those things I thought afterwards, I thought, I didn't even pray for her. How terrible is that? I should have done that. <laughs> but anyway, the opportunity passed and, and I gave her the details to our church and said, you know, you're welcome to come along anytime. She's obviously not here today, but, um, you know, planting seeds, you don't know when it will happen, you know, watering, encouraging, all of this stuff, you know, God, God's in control of the harvest, and who knows how long it's been since she, since that lady had uh, thought about God, given two thoughts about her faith. But she, um, she said to me, oh, maybe, maybe I do need to get back to church. And I said, yeah, I think God is saying that to you. You should, <laughs> you know. And uh, anyway, it's just a good story to, to remind us that, you know, it's, I didn't expect it. I didn't force it. God just brought the opportunity. 
and I planted the seed, and um, we'll see what God does with that. There's things that God wants us to do, every one of us, you know. Sometimes it's random stuff, but sometimes it's patches of field that we've been working in for years, and, he's, and it's still good work. It's still important work. It's still um, things that he wants us to do. There's some seeds that only you can plant as well. That's why it has to be unique calling, right? Paul, he, he was the guy that pioneered the church. Apollos was the guy that taught and did discipleship, right? They couldn't do each other's job, right? In one, we're, we're co-workers in God's field together, okay? And so there's some seeds only you can plant. There's some seeds that only I can plant, okay? And it's just the way that it is in God's kingdom. And so when we're figuring out the planting and watering that God calls us to, it's like clocking into the, the field work in God's kingdom, right? And we're being faithful and we're putting God in our lives first, right? We're, we're believing that as we plant seeds and water, um, you know, God's ready to partner with us. And so I wonder about your life, about your relationships, about your journey with this church, the growth that we're on. This is all part of it. What's, what, are, what seeds are you going to plant? What seeds can you be watering? What patch of, patch of the field is God asking you to work in? And it's going to be messy. And you might already be feeling the mess. <laughs> but I think God's just saying, stay faithful. I'm in control of the harvest. And when you're doing that work, it's important for me. I think these are markers. When there's a group of Christians who are together and they're just ready to do the planting, no matter what the cost, no matter how um, little harvest they see, I think this is a marker of a church that's growing, growing in depth, growing spiritually, growing numerically. And I think this is a, a church that, that God really believes in and wants to partner with. And so let's pray. We're going to ask God to speak to us about the work that, he, that he's calling us to, each as individuals. Father, we want to grow. We want to see a harvest. And we thank you that you call us into this work. And you, we thank you that every single one of us are involved in this work. And it looks different for different people. Some of us are evangelists. Some of us are teachers. Some of us are, um, you know, gifted in all different ways. Some of us are shepherds and carers and encouragers. Some of us have great gifts to offer to the church. Father, whatever it is, I pray that you'd let it be really clear who you want us to be. Who did you create, it, create, us, create us to be? We know you have a dream in your heart for every person here. And we know that dream aligns with your, the harvest that you have ready to bring about in your kingdom. Lord, help us. Yeah, some of us might be feeling like giving up because there's just not, it's just been year after year of planting, year after year of watering, and there's been no harvest that we've been able to see. I pray that you'd help us to stay faithful. Help us to remember that you're involved in the results and how big the hay bale is at the end of the day.
And so whether it's a phone call that we need to make or whether it's meeting up with someone for coffee or inviting a family over for dinner or whatever it is, God, lead us in that. Whether it be having the courage to speak up and be honest about what we're doing, like when I was on my prayer retreat, I pray that opportunities would come our way that we'd never have imagined and it'd be because of your leading and your guidance. Pray all of this in your precious name, Lord. We want to place ourselves in your hands. Amen.